Okay, welcome back to the Author Speaker Podcast.org. O-R-G. Remember to subscribe, authorspeakerpodcast.org, and we'll send you an email every week with a new episode. Comes out once a week. Don't want you to miss any of these episodes. Okay, so let's talk about writing, the writing process. Every author, every writer that I've ever met, and I've met a bunch over the years around the world, and I always ask him questions because it's so fascinating to me as to how people create their process, their writing process, because it's, it's something you do in solitude. It's something you, you do where you talk to yourself in your mind, but you don't talk out loud because there's no one to talk to. You're doing it yourself. And I, I find it fascinating. I've, I've been coaching recently. I've been coaching six different people on writing their books. Very, very successful, self-made millionaires. And, um, and they have one of them approaching about doing a book with them, not co-authoring or ghostwriting, but actually teaching them my writing process. I've never taught to anyone before. I've just created over a period of 20 years or I guess more than that, for, I've been writing for a long time, but my real process has been, I've really created in the last 20 years, and I'm not saying it's the right process or the process or anything else because I've heard of all kinds of different writers' processes, and it fascinates me because everyone has a different way to do it. I like my way better than the ways I've, I've, I've heard other people talk about, but that certainly doesn't mean it's the only way. But I want to tell you my way because I've been coaching these people, and they're doing really well with it, and they're picking it up, and I think it's a pretty good little system. You do it you know, any way you want, of course. There's there's no one way, of course, but uh, I've tried a lot of different ways that writers have showed me, and uh, and I and I just haven't really. This is what I've settled into, and I call it the seven draft writing system. Effectively, it's about writing seven drafts to seven drafts to finish a book. Now that might seem like a lot, okay? Because a lot of times people say, "Oh, you can do it in three drafts." Maybe, all right, but. Like Og Mandino, the late Og Mandino said he was Bill Gove's, uh, my, my late business partner's best friend. Og Mandino, he sold 40 million books. He told Bill Gove one time, he said, the harder a book is to write, the easier it is to read. The harder the book is to write, the easier it is to read. And that is so true. The more drafts you do, the more editing you do, the more proofreading you do, the harder you work on a book, the more people are going to read it. And the easier it is to, to get the reader's flow. So I do seven drafts. I'm just going to walk you through again. This is not the Holy Grail. Well, there's lots of people. I mean, I've heard systems that were different, like um, Diana Boer, for example, was one of the members of the Million Dollar Speakers Group at National Speakers Association. Um, I think uh, for a couple of years that, that uh, I think I saw Diana there a couple times um, at least. And Diana's a great writer. She's written a lot of, a lot of things. She was a, she's a former school teacher. And I was talking to Diana years ago, probably 15 years ago. I don't know her real well, but we've been members, both been members of NSA for years. And, and I think she fashions herself more of a writer than a speaker, but she does both like I do, like a lot of people do. And uh, Diana said to me one time, she said, you know, I can write eight, 10 hours at a time. And she says, lock yourself in a hotel room for a week and just write and just knock out the book in a week. And so I did. My first book I was writing, I went to Chicago. I was going to my, my high school class reunion. It's about 20 years ago. And, um, and I thought, well, I'll just get a hotel room a week early and I'll just buy the reunion hall where I'm going to do this reunion. And I'll just lock myself in a room and do it. 
It's one of the worst weeks I ever had in my life. It was horrible. I mean, I I write two hours at a time. I'd be kind of burned out. I'd take a break, go back, and it just got worse. My writing got worse and worse. And I went back to Diana, and I said, I don't know how you do it. She goes, I don't know. I can do eight hours at a time. I just whip it out. I go, I I just can't do that. So she has a process, obviously, that works for her. I've seen some other things she does. Randy Gage told me one time, you know, how he writes his, you know, how he has his system that he writes. He's a really good writer. And I've talked to a ton, ton of people over the years about, how do you do it? What's your process how do you you know because everyone kind of it seems like makes their process up and then and then kind of refines it in a way that makes it work for them if they continue to succeed as an author and luckily i have over the years and uh, and i've really enjoyed the process but my seven draft system basically is a little bit different in the in the in the sense that my first draft is probably um akin to most people that i know is third draft and here's what i mean I spend a ton of time on the first draft. And I'll tell you why. Now, a lot of people say, don't do that. Just write stream of consciousness. Just don't think. Just write. Just throw up on paper. And I'm not saying this is wrong because I don't know that there is a right or wrong. If it works for you, it works for you. That's what I say. Uh, but at the same time, they just throw up on paper and have to be crap, but go back in the second draft and clean it all up. Okay, here's what I know. If I've got a year to write a book, and I'm going to probably write the book in three months, and then I'm going to spend nine months making sure it's edited draft after draft after draft after draft, going through every single word um, to make it the best book I possibly can. Because if someone's going to invest in buying that book, and more importantly, the time it takes to read a book, I want to make sure it's the best of me. And I would recommend that you make sure it's the best of you because that's a big commitment that people make to read a book. And I want to make sure it's the best I can possibly do. Hey, I'm not saying I'm John Grisham, uh, but um, I want to make the be the best Steve Seabold writer I can possibly be, whatever level that is. I want to make sure it's the best. So when I put out a book, I, I'm thinking to myself, that's as good as I got. I cannot do it any better. It's just, I don't know what else to do. That's as good as I can possibly make this book. Put it out there. I felt that way about every book I've written. That's 12 books over 20 years. And I'm not saying they're the best books in the world. I'm saying they're the best books I was capable of writing at that time, personally. And I think, and that's a really good feeling. And some of the books sell well and some of the books don't. But you feel good about it. And I think that's the key. Because once it goes out there, you don't know where it's going. They go all over the world. All over the world. You know, it's pretty crazy. So the first draft, I really spent a lot of time. Um, I edit the first draft. I really want to make sure that it's clean. Um, I go over grammar. I really, I write it out and I edit, 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 edit until I feel like I've got a decent first draft. Like it's pretty darn good first draft. And my second draft is about 80% easier than my first. One of the reasons is because sometimes people say, Steve, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is throw up on paper, throw the first draft together in 30 days, and then just edit the hell out of it after that. Here's why I don't like doing that. I know that if I'm going to spend a year in a book, by the time that year is done, I'm going to be so sick of that book. I just want to get it out of my face. I don't want to see that book for a month. And it happens every single time I write it. Just me. I mean, it might not be for you, but I, I just don't even want to see that book. I just want to get rid of it because I've been living with it for a year. I've been dreaming about it for a year. I've been waking up thinking about it, going to bed thinking about it. And I love the process. Don't get me wrong, but by the end of the year, I'm sick of it. I've seen those words way too many times and I'm just done, you know, until I have a break and then I like it later on, but I'm tired of it. I know that my highest energy level is going to be in the first draft. So why not make the first draft the hardest draft? 
the draft I really put most of my effort in. So by the time I put the thing to bed, the first draft to bed, and I wait, let's say, a week before I hit the second draft to give myself a break and get kind of some objectivity from the actual script, um, that... I go back to the second draft and I think, well, this is a breeze. I mean, I'm just changing this here, that, there, a few words. My second draft typically, honestly, takes a week or two. And my first draft might take three months because I'm spending more time. Again, not the only way to do it. Just my way because my, when my energy is highest, I want to do what Brian Tracy says. I want to eat the frog. I want to eat, do the hardest thing first. And the hardest thing for me is the first draft. I want to make it the hardest draft. And then it gets easier and easier. By the fourth or fifth draft, I'm taking out one word a chapter. I'm changing one sentence around from you know passive voice to active voice, something like that, or you know trying to eliminate prepositions or something. It's you know, something very simple. But I don't want to have to do major surgery on the script in the fourth draft. Again, I've heard people say, Seabold, you're wrong. You know, you should be doing major surgery probably three, four drafts in, maybe five. Uh, and each draft is about the same, takes about the same, or requires the same work. I don't want to be working as hard on the, on the fourth draft as I do the first. Because my energy is starting to wane after a while. I don't want to be seven months in busting my ass on, a, on, on the fourth draft. It's too difficult. I, w- I want to I have that be enjoyable. My second draft is pretty enjoyable. It's not super enjoyable, but it's enjoyable. My third draft is a joy. Fourth draft is a joy. Then, the, then I do four drafts, and then I get the editor comes in. And the editor just pisses me off like nothing else they say oh you gotta shift this around you gotta put a comma here you're doing this you're doing that you're you're, you're using past tense here present tense here future tense here <laughs> and they're just kicking me in the ass and it just pisses me off like nothing else but but editors and writers you know it's a snake mongoose relationship <laughs> it always has been always will they're very important people. They really are. We need them because they think, hey, if they're using something like the Chicago Manual of Style, those, I, you know, I, it's a different mentality. An editor is not a writer to me. An editor is an editor. A writer is a writer. Um, I'm not saying they're better or anything like that. I don't mean it in that, in that context. I just mean it's a different animal. You know, they're looking for the for things to match a manual of style, like the Chicago manual of style is typically what what most editors I've worked with, at least here in the United States, follow. And they say, well, Steve, you know, you might think it sounds good, but it doesn't really pass the Chicago manual of style. So you might want to change this. So change that. So they give you all these things. And they'll say, Steve, you're repeating yourself. Like I remember when in the first couple of books, the editor would say, Steve, you know how many times you say the single most important thing is fill in the blank? And they used to drive me nuts. Of course, they were totally right. I mean, what they say is usually right. I mean, they're very, very picky. These are, these are you know, people, uh, you know, what would you, what would you call them? Super analytical people. I mean, they are precision people. You know, they're not like the normal writer. It was just, you know, we we're more creative types and we like to dream up ideas. These people go in like surgeons, and they're really valuable. They really, I've learned a lot from editors. I've almost never enjoyed the process of working with them, just because they're so picky, and they, and sometimes they can they can make your words sound so clinical that you think. My God, this is like a college textbook that no one wants to read. No one's going to read this book if it's so clinical. Yes, but it conforms to the Chicago Manual of Style. I don't care. I want them to read the damn book, you know. And they go, "Well, you're hiring me," and you go back and forth with them. And it's 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 kind of funny, but it's not funny when it's happening. I don't enjoy it. But the the thing I do enjoy is once the process is done. They basically the way I do it anyway is we do it through Microsoft Word and they make recommendations 
And if you own your content, which please consider owning your content, please consider self-publishing. I know people say, I want to be a McGraw-Hill writer. I want to be a random house writer. I want to be a, I want to be professional. So I can say I am traditionally published. You know what? Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Sorry. I mean, you might care. It might be impressive at, at Christmas time and a Thanksgiving dinner with your family, but no one else cares. You know, how many times have you gotten, you heard about a book and you go, you got to read this book. Like you got to read this book. It's a great book. And you go, wait a second. Hold on now. Hold on. <laughs> Before I read the book, you got to tell me one thing. Yeah, sure. What do you want to know? Who published the book? Nobody ever asks that question. Nobody cares. They're printers, for God's sakes. They print the books. That's what they do, effectively. Publishing houses, unless you're John Grisham, do very little to promote your book. They really, unless you're a huge author, okay? They're printers at the end of the day. I know they hate that. But I want to control my content. Here's why I'm bringing it in to the editor's piece, okay? Because when an editor, when you have a contract, a publishing contract, and an editor says, you need to change this. This needs to conform to the Chicago Manual of Style. Guess what? It needs to conform to the Chicago Manual of Style or whatever manual they're using because you don't own it. You sold it to the publisher. They own it. You're just the writer. You're a hired gun now. Okay, you're going to get 10% of the, you know, you might get an advance if you're lucky, and then and, and it's advance on royalties. Okay, so if they give you 100 grand, you need to sell 100, they need to make 100 grand. Your 10% needs to be 100 grand. Um, uh, you know, equals 100 grand, equal 100 grand before you get another penny. It's just an advance on royalties. So you get an advance maybe, and then you get royalties. I get royalties. There's a couple of books I've sold over the years to, to, uh, to companies. I, got, I think I have three. Um, two of them really sell. But, um, but I, get, I, get, I get royalties every quarter, and it's pretty good. But they own the rights. I'm just, I'm just a writer. Right? And that was worth selling. That's another, another show for another time uh, because that's one way to make money. I make decent money on that. It's, it's a residual I get every quarter. But, but I have no say in the editorial piece. Um, I think in the original one, I had a little say, but I don't have final edit, edit, editorial control. I want control of my books. I don't know about you. If you don't feel that way, don't worry about it. But I want to be able to work with an editor, have the editor say, here are my suggestions as a professional editor following this manual of style. Here's my suggestions. You do whatever the hell you want to do. But I'm telling you, this is the way you conform to the Chicago Manual of Style. Then I go through, and honestly, over the years, I take about 50% of their suggestions. The other 50, they're correct. Technically correct, of course. Um, they're very good at their job. The good ones. But the words sound clinical. They're boring. They don't have flow. They work grammatically, but they don't work in the real world, so no one's going to read the damn thing or, or recommend it to their friends. It's not going to sell. And I got to sell books. I'm in the business of selling books. It's not a hobby. So I take about 50% of their, their um, suggestions. But I'll tell you the thing that's even more valuable. The th what you learn from asking them questions, because I get on the phone and I, we go line by line. And I say, why did you, why is that? Well, it's, it's because in the Chicago Manual of Style, this is considered passive voice. So tell me why you think that sounds better. And they'll tell you. And, and you go, and even if you disagree, you hear what they think and it teaches you. And then the next time you write, you have their, they, you have their words in your head. You know, we're doing this solo experience. You, you, you don't talk to anyone when you're writing. You just write. You hear yourself talk to yourself in your head. And now the editor's in your head. 
and it and it and they're and they're really really good at what they do. And you can reject them or you can accept them, but they are teaching you. They're coaching you. So I go through four drafts, and then I get the editor, and then the editor does their thing. Then I accept or reject whatever they have. Then I do the fifth draft. Now that cleans up all the editorial uh, pieces, and then we do a proofreading. Okay. And then we do the sixth draft. Okay, remember the proofreader and the editor are different. The editor's making content changes, switching sentences around, structural changes, grammatical changes. The proofreader's just looking for spelling and grammar. That's it. Just they're just hired guns. That's all they do. Is is uh, they're important. They're certainly important. But uh, you don't want to have a lot of mistakes in your book. That'll look bad. But um, but they're a different animal. Totally. Okay. Um, now what they say typically goes hundred percent. So, uh, so because it's just the basic stuff, but then you do a six draft and the seven draft is typically the final draft. I'm not saying it's seven drafts and that's the magic number. If it needs to be 10 drafts, it needs to be 10. I just typically have noticed I go to seven and it seems like it's done by seven. So I just have that little system down again, not the only one, but that's kind of the way I work through it. And it seems to work pretty well. Try it out. See what you think. Talk to other writers, talk to other people, listen to other podcasts, listen to what other people say. I'm not, you know, I'm not the only person that does this, obviously. This just has worked for me. I've just figured out this little system over the years, and I've you know been able to, to do well with it. But um, there's lots of ways to skin a cat in this game, you know, and do it the way it works for you. That really is pretty probably pretty good advice. But I just wanted to share with you what works for me, what's worked for me over the years, and what seems to to make a really clean book, you know, and, and a good process. And again, just to wrap this up, how long does it take? You know, there's all people out there saying, oh, you read a book in 30 days, 60 days. Yeah, it's, a, it's no one's going to buy the book because it's going to suck. You can do it. Yeah. But remember, these books are your legacy. These books, if they're good, you know, we always tell people, I, I say to people all the time, you want to you want to write a hundred year book. The hundred year book is a book that hangs around for a hundred years. Think and Grow Rich. Um, in the in the nonfiction personal development genre that that I'm in, okay, that you're probably in as a speaker. That's most speakers are in uh, business, you know, business books as well. Um, you know, think and grow rich. How to win friends and develop. Uh, how, how to win friends and influence people. Uh, you know, and all those. You think about the books. As a man thinketh. These books are are some are close to 100 years old. Some are almost 100 years old. Some are older. These books have stood the test of time. You want to write a book that's there when you're gone, that your great grandkids will see on the bookshelf, you know, or they'll see on Amazon or whatever's around there floating around the, the air, you know, back <laughs> to 100 years from now, whatever it is. You want to write that 100-year book, man. Don't, don't, don't shortcut yourself. Don't, you deserve more than that. Don't do it in 60 days. Don't listen to these goofballs on the internet and Facebook. Oh, I can write a book in 30 days and I made $8 million. Oh, bullshit. Do it right. It's you're, you're representing yourself and your family and people that know you and, and your legacy down the road. That book might be all over the world and you're gone. You can't change it then. You want to be proud of that. You know, you want to be, you deserve to be proud of your book. Don't rush it. Do it right. Do the work. Don't try to shortcut it. Okay. You know, if you're playing video games, you want to take a shortcut, take a shortcut. Who cares? You're writing your book. This is a big deal. Okay, this represents you. This for, for forever, if it's out there forever, for a long time. Don't shortcut yourself. Don't shortchange yourself. You deserve more than that. Put the work in. Do the work. Okay, because you're going to be proud of it for a long time. I'm proud of every book I've ever written. Again, I'm not saying I'm the best writer in the world, but for whatever writer I am, I'm proud of every word I put in those books. Would I change some of it now? Yeah, because I'm a better writer than I was back then, even a few years ago. But 
I did the best job I possibly could at the time. And I'm very proud of that, you know, and I think you want to feel the same way about your books. So something to think about as you go forward. Okay. So that's my little system. I love to hear what you think about that. But again, you know, as always, I appreciate you guys listening to this author speaker podcast. Make sure you subscribe at authorspeakerpodcast.org and we'll see you on the next episode.